Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. listener, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to episode number five of The Pursuit Pod. I'm Lauren Wood, and this is where I chat with artists abroad about the pursuit of their creative careers. And on this week's show, I have the great privilege of sharing a discussion I had with somebody who is not only a gorgeous and successful performer in her own right, but who is also a very dear, good friend of mine, and that is the beautiful Aurelie Rogue. Ray now lives and works in Brisbane as an actress, teacher and cabaret mastermind, but originally hails from little old Kansas City in the US of A. And during our chat, we flash back to her early days of arriving in Brisbane and how the process of uprooting herself from one country to another was ripe with both physical and mental challenges that had to be addressed. This chat, folks, is a prime example of how Ray and I operate when conversing as friends, which is to say with many a tangent and side thought to be explored. So perhaps expect a slightly less linear story, but a back and forth between us that touches on some pretty big issues surrounding mental health within the performing arts. Please understand that if you are somebody who is triggered by talk of depression, anxiety or body dysmorphia, that this episode will feature moments of discussion on these topics, so please listen at your own discretion. This episode really affected me and continues to leave me thinking every time I've listened to it since about some pretty big themes, but most importantly about the value in seeking therapy and support when managing mental health. And the fact that no matter where you are in the world as an artist struggling with these things, that you are not alone. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you find the show as thought-provoking as I have. And without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome, Ray, to the podcast. Hello! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how are you doing, girl? Let's just just talk. I'm good. I'm good. I am sitting here. I am chilling. It is raining outside, so I got no other place to be, and there's no other place I would rather be than right here. Yeah, it's lovely. It's so nice to have you on here. And, um, well, here, <laughs> on the show so far, I've been interviewing people who have, yeah, traveled abroad in the pursuit of either career development or perhaps mm-hmm. a specific contract or just, you know, for the sheer thrill of the unknown. And so far, we've talked a lot of things, London, with a number of my guests actually being based over here, moving right, from right. Oz. And I know it's inevitable that I'm probably going to end up with a few of those stories, seeing as though it's literally yeah. the world I am in. Uh, myself connection yeah that's just strong connection for sure yeah 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 but and also because that trip of moving from Oz to England is really not uncommon for for Mm -hmm. people especially from Brisbane it seems pursuing work in theater so uh, you know I think that says a few things about the state of 
the arts in Queensland. But, you know. Oh, for sure. For sure. Today, we get to hear a very different adventure from Kansas in America to little old Brisbane on the east coast of Queensland. And uh, Ray, I'm just so chuffed that you are here sharing this story with me today because I've known you for most of your time in Oz, I think. How long has it been now? You were what you were definitely one of the first friends I made here. Mm. Yeah, because Little Shop was our show. And that was like eight eight years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we're like reaching yes. eight years now. No, tw- not 2011, 2013. It must have been 2013. Back when we were babies. <laughs> babies. <laughs> oh, Lord, such a baby. Oh, yeah, I had just turned 30. Um. Oh, gosh. After knowing you for eight years, I feel like in the last few years since moving over here, I finally have a new appreciation for everything that you have gone through now that I'm able to look at it through the lens of my own experience. And I mean, like what you did was huge. You uprooted your life. Uh, it wasn't for your career necessarily, but for your yeah. husband, Roberts, wasn't right. it? Right, right. Yes, yes, so to speak. But I wasn't going to go if it wasn't going to benefit me in some capacity. Yeah. I went knowing full well that I could definitely be an actor or a singer or a dancer or something. I could I could find the arts. Brisbane is actually a bigger city. No one should be shocked by this than Kansas City. <laughs> it's a much bigger city. Uh, but the theater scene is, I don't want to say it's smaller, but it feels smaller. That was a surprise. That was a surprise to me. And I think it's also because like the Brisbane scene, I I think it it extends as far as the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast as well. Like there's a lot of work on those coasts for people as well. But like, and I try and explain this to my my British friends, the size difference in our countries. Um, Mm. But like, you know, it takes at least two to three hours to drive to the Sunshine Coast and then not yeah, quite so yeah. far to the Gold Coast. But like when we talk about the Brisbane scene being quite small, it's also because, yeah, to to get that work on the coasts, it, it involves a lot of travel, but you know, there is work there. Yeah. But I, th- I think it's a daunting task for any creative who has spent years developing their reputation and their contacts on their home turf yeah. to start again like you did when you made such a big, big move. I mean, did you have any contacts over here for work before you moved no I didn't I knew my husband and I knew um our friend Bryce both of who are American that was it those are the only two people in this entire country that I knew which made finding work really hard because at the time uh Facebook was the place to go uh social media wise to find any kind of work I I thought that googling or just getting online just getting online and searching for auditions anything anything I would have gone for anything because I know you got to work your way up the ladder so I was uh, very happy and willing to go back to um, amateur theater I had kind of stepped out of that at a certain point when I was working my way um, working my way when I was uh, uh, you know creating my career in Kansas City yeah cl- Climbing that ladder. I guess you could say. It depends on how you look at it. Some people think that it's not that going pro and then letting go of amateur theater. Or is I consider amateur and community theater to be very different things. I think that there's a lot of um, professional work that has been <laughs> that can feel pretty amateur, and there is some community theater that feels real professional. So it all depends on your on your parameters. But um, for me, I decided to take the step towards just working um, strictly professionally. I think in my 
early to mid twenties. And uh, again, it's just, I think it's just, a, it's however you see your, your career going, everyone's got an opinion on it. And so it's, you know, I'm not trying to like censor myself. I'm just simply saying that I had made a choice. And so I was willing to go back because I understand you got to work your way through uh, to get back to where you were because no one knows who you are, which can be a benefit, can be a benefit. If you're like the brand new voice or face or dancing talent, um, people will be happy to uh, hire you on. But you got to get to the audition in the first place. And it was so hard to find. They were so hard to find. There was nothing. Mm. No one talks about auditions. Yeah, there isn't a... um... There isn't like a directory for auditions no. like there is here in the UK. In the UK here we have Spotlight. Do you what do you use in the US? Is there something similar where actors create a profile and get casting like that without an agent? Well, I mean it's something now aside from having an agent it's pretty much the same, but we just talk, we t- we chat and say, "Hey, uh the auditions for this are coming up. Auditions for this these cruise ships are coming up. You guys want to carpool out to Chicago and go, you know, audition for this and that or uh, this, uh, prediction, this particular company in downtown is doing auditions. And then next week, everyone just talks, they just talk. Um, so I guess uh, fair enough. I didn't know anyone here. Um, but I did try to get onto all the different Facebook groups for auditions and this, that, and the other. And I honestly, Brisbane arts was the only one that I spotted. Uh, and so I was more than happy to come out and audition. Thank God I did. I met you eh? and a bunch of other fantastic people. Uh, so yeah, my start was at Brisbane arts by simply Googling auditions and seeing what was coming up. That was, that was pretty much it. Other than the aforementioned state of, you know, lack of information, finding auditions in Brisbane, what were some of your first impressions, not only of the, the performance scene, but just of Brisbane in general, when you arrived, you didn't start performing straight away. I imagine there would have been a bit of a settling no. in period. Can you talk about that a little bit for me? Cause I didn't know you then. Oh yeah. It was, uh, actually it was, it was, it was a big old, big old cluster bomb. Um, I came here for two weeks on uh, his company's dime, because it's part of what they offer uh, is the is your partner to come out, spend two weeks, uh, they give them a little per diem, and pay for their holiday visa, and just so they can get a lay of the land if they need to look for schools or housing, or they just get a chance to kind of get a feel, which is really nice. However, when I came back two months later, and I when I officially moved to Australia, there was a mix-up with my paperwork. So I was still on a holiday visa, which meant that I could not work. I had planned on taking a week or two and just sitting and chilling, going to see the city, do whatever I could. And that turned into six months. It was six months of not being able to work, which was excruciating. I remember talking to you about that. Just the the frustration of feeling like you are relying on your partner for income. And I mean bless them. That's what they're for. And us as well. I'm not, I'm not, there's no gender bias there. I'm just saying as a relationship like that, oh, that's, yeah. that's, a part, from that's part the boon you get when you move with someone is that you have a support network and financial support as well when things like that happen. But six months, that's a long time. Yeah, that was, uh, that was particularly rough. Even for somebody as lazy as me, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was a particularly challenging time for me 
the, the big one was that is that I could, I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a, Oh, the Metro cards, the go cards. I had no go card. If I did have a go card, I didn't have a, I didn't have any opportunity to put any money on it. And I really didn't want to, I didn't feel comfortable asking him for money all the time. And I felt like I was asking him all the time. One good thing was that again, his company, there was a, uh, I don't know what to call this. They have money set aside for, uh, they're for let's just say they're partners in this case. I was able to take dance classes, so I was I set up a uh, the unlimited classes at Mad Dance House here in Brisbane, so that I could at least go and do something, even if I wasn't taking not taking even if I wasn't going to auditions, or at rehearsals or at a job, I was getting something done. I was I was I was doing something and doing something creative and and yes. physical that would just make you feel like you're back where you yeah. belong yeah. like I I felt like that when I went to my first class at pineapple over here and I mean that was such a cool exciting thing to finally go to pineapple dance you yeah. know it's so it's so famous and the first class I went to there it was actually like a midday jazz technique class where I spent most of the time on the floor in a pair of socks, just like pointing and flexing yeah. my toes. But I was like a kid in a candy store. I was so stoked. I think I promptly then went to another class later in the week that was an advanced jazz <laughs> class. And I was like one of 40 people in the room. I didn't know anybody. I wasn't from the same course as a, so that was a very different experience yeah. that yeah. class. But uh, the first one was amazing. And, uh, I, especially when you're a dancer or a perform, performer of any type, I think when you've relocated yourself in uh, one of my guests actually talked about how it's a really traumatic experience mm. uprooting yourself like that. And I've never thought of it like that, but it really is like it changes the way you think about yourself. Mm. It changes your whole foundation. And I think, well, I, and I can only imagine for you when you first started going to classes and then got into Little Shop, your first production, that must have, that must have felt like you were finding yourself again. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, I did. But it took a while to get there. After, after six months of, of not being able to make my own money to be cast in a show, it was like, yay, awesome, friggin' great. I'm so excited for this. But... The same way that I felt when I went to my first dance class at Mad Dance, and that is, I don't know anyone here. Everyone's going to know mm. everyone else. I'm going to feel like a, such an outsider. And I have spent so much of my life experiencing those feels. We all have. I don't care if you've lived in the city for, for three, 30 years. There's always going to be that one time that you just feel super awkward walking into something. So I felt that way at Mad Dance. But the thing is, if you don't get past that, it's just a hurdle. It's not a wall. Jump the damn hurdle. And trust me, it's so much better on the other side. I mean, it's it, this is an actual grass is greener on the other side mentality. You're going to be so happy mm -hmm. you actually went to that class. You went to that audition. You went to that thing. Trust me, trust me, Absolutely. trust me. So after that first six months of no income, what was it that that broke that cycle for you? I was actually, uh, I was warned about this by a friend of mine before I moved. Uh, and she said that it doesn't matter if you move to a different city, a different state or a different country. The first six months 
are rough on your psyche. They're super rough on your psyche. I don't care if you work, you don't work. I don't care if you make friends immediately or you don't. It always takes about six months before you finally feel comfortable being yourself. And I remember thinking, eh, that I, I've got such a big brassy personality. I'm just going to tell myself, keep being that person. Don't stop being that person, which I am glad that I, that I, that I did try that. Yeah, but yeah, there was one example. <laughs> it's one example. And I'm sorry, but it was you. And I, I don't <gasps> want you to feel offended by this. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> you probably don't even, you would never, you would never remember this. But we were in rehearsal for Little Shop. You said, you said something. And I made a joke reference to something that was very obviously apparently American. Because I made a joke and this was the face. I'm sorry, podcasters, but this was the face that I got from all four of you. <laughs> it's like, a, uh, if I can explain it to people, it's like a retracted duck lip. There's a bit of a like chucky neck going on. Like yeah. a, hmm, a scathing. It was a more of a, I don't, what is she, what is she talking about? It wasn't a like, oh my God, she's such a loser. It was just more of a, what don't quite get it and that all uh, that was it it was just pure silence for about mm. a second with that face of mm, and then it went back to so we're going to go into the kickball change and i went i'm funny i am funny you sons of bitches Screw oh you. my gosh i was probably nervous as hell and i didn't get the joke and i was like okay moving on <laughs> no but nobody got it it was it was this is something that i've learned Every day that I've been here is, and I continue to wonder, is it a cultural gap or is it a generational gap? Because now I've got that going for me too. <laughs> so it, but at that, that at that time, it was definitely a cultural gap. It was definitely just because you didn't know the show. Or the, I can't remember what the reference was. I could not for the life of me remember it off the top of my head. But I remember that it was just definitely that vibe of this is, I am not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> oh, they do not get this reference. And so slowly from that point on, slowly, I started to feel, and it was most definitely me, but I felt a I felt like I retracted, that, that people separated from me slowly over time. Or, rephrase, rephrase, actually. That is not a, how I felt. I felt that others connected stronger than they connected with me. And that over time, every day, a little bit, just a little bit dig, a little bit dig, a little bit dig, that pit starts to fill. And I stopped being myself. I stopped talking out loud. I stopped saying anything. I stopped, like, uh, I just stopped. And I felt my, I felt it. Like, uh, I did not feel like I was being myself at all. And it really sucked. And then one day, I was putting up some costumes for other people. And it was Tessa Jane, my beautiful sister, Tessa Jane, that you, in, you introduced me to, by the way. Yeah, who was doing hair and makeup for the show. And she came up to me and just said, girl, there is something wrong with you. Spill. Talk to your sister. What's going on? And I went, and that was the first time I felt like I actually, that somebody actually cared and that connected. And please, 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 Lauren, do not think that I was thinking that you and I were like on opposite sides of the world or anything. You were, you were super 
stressed out with with everything that was going on. It wasn't that I felt no. like you were pushing and away. Do you know from what? Me. It's it was, so funny. I don't that want you to feel about that. this in that show because I was going through similar things in that show, and we we hadn't really found each other yet. We I I was in a world of my own no, shit, dealing with my own feelings of imposter syndrome, doing this role. I wasn't eating very well at that time. I look back on that mm. show. This is just a tangent for us. But I look back on. Well, you were a skinny mini. Mate. You were a skinny mini uh, in that show for sure. I was the skinniest I've ever been in. I mean, you still are. You are. You are real thin, but you look healthy now. Let's let rephrase <laughs> for those that can't see her. Um, she looks but fantastic. I, I look back on photos from that show, which, and I have the most amazing memories of that show being such a cool opportunity, like for you and for me and for all of us involved. But, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy deeply happy and I, I notice that now when I look back at those photos and it was partly because I was really hung up about my body image I was really hung up about playing this character that I wanted to have look a certain way and I wasn't actively not eating but I just wasn't taking mm. care of myself and it's funny when you look back on photos and oh, now with a bit no, of maturity and a bit of hindsight you can look yeah. at that person and you're like yeah that's that's not you that's there's something in your eyes there there's something in your body yeah in, in a lot of there's a lot of red flags in that photo that tell me that you weren't happy which is why I'm loving the discussions about uh size and and how to not approach people about weight these days there's a lot of discussion about how we shouldn't be complimenting uh, people on being skinny anymore because sometimes no. when we are our skinniest most in quote marks here attractive selves we're actually yeah. very, very unhealthy on the inside. So I don't think uh, you, you weren't the only one going through just some mental crap oh, yeah. in that show. And thank goodness for people like Tessa. This industry does attract little gems of people like Tessa Jane who are really, really mm-hmm. in tune and empathetic. And she obviously yep. was a big help for you in that situation. It, it just, yeah, it just shows that it's so important to be in tune with the people that you are working with, yep. especially in performance settings, because your empathy and your reaching out and your checking in on a friend like that in a moment, you don't know what they're going through in that nope. dressing room while they're staring at their face, you know, wondering how they got here. In this industry, more than any other, you have to be your most empathetic in tune Well, self. and this is what I mentioned this recently to a friend. I kind of had this thought last year where... Our jobs, we are told to be able to call up an emotion immediately, which means that we tend to wear our heart on our sleeves. However, we are judged from the outside in. Isn't that interesting? So it's our, we have to keep this balance of a hardened heart or a hardened shell. Or like you know, like M and M's. If we put us out in the sun too long, our outer shell is going to start to melt. <laughs> it's, we are only human, but we're also told you can't be, uh, you can't have your emotions. You can't be upset about something. It's unprofessional to be upset when you're in rehearsal. It this is this is the challenge of our job. Leave everything at the door because you have to. You might be having the worst day of your life, but when you walk in the door. You need your character might need to be the best bubbly, happiest, giddiest thing, and so we we are yeah we have to keep things at the door. But at the same time, we're also told keep things at the door, don't have any emotions once you get into the rehearsal process. You can't spaz out, you can't do this, you can't cry, you can't have that. It is 
unfortunate. It is unfortunate that that is our. It's a it's a hard job. This is a this is a hard job. And and the proof is in the fact that there is rampant mental health trouble within mm. our industry, Absolutely. and especially with body image. Yeah, just huge, and, huge, huge, huge. And and it's only image. exacerbated when you do something like change countries. So after Little Shop, which was your first, so the night after Tessa Jane came to me and I did start crying when when I went to when I talked to her about what was affecting me and the next day and look I don't know I can't tell you if this would or would not have happened if I hadn't talked to Tessa Jane but it was it was the like six month marker and I came into that rehearsal and I bust down the door with my foot and I went boom bitches what's up I'm back you're going to get a whole lot of this now. Woo! I was just, I was my, I was totally myself again. I felt like myself. I felt, and from that point on, I was so back to being me. It was exactly as my friend had predicted. Six months. So, the, I mean, if anything, for any, any listeners out there that are feeling like, oh my God, why can't I seem to be myself? Why can't I seem not to be happy? Not, not that. But why is my personality so shelled right now that is acceptable it's okay at a certain point it's going to come back out i promise you there is nothing that can keep your personality at bay for too long and it's just about capturing that energy when you find it again and using it as a forward momentum which you did you started to find your stride you started to find your community in brisbane and you started to get into more and more shows Yes, I was really blessed. I was, and I hate using that word, but I actually was super, super, super lucky that I auditioned for that particular show. Every single person, aside from maybe one or two, I am still in contact with. They are still my brother. They are still my sister. They are still my family. And if it wasn't for Little Shop, I would not have even known about company because Luke mentioned it to me one night. Luke, who is a, a musical director. Oh, Luke Volker. In in mm-hmm. Brisbane. Yep. Really, really great guy doing awesome stuff. Quite prominent on the scene. Oh, I mean, he is he is busy as hell. <laughs> he has always got something on. <laughs> so there is an element of networking. What do they say? It's like uh, 60% in what you do, 40% in who you know or where you are. So networking is crucial and key to our to our business from that point on i don't want to say it was networking because it wasn't in that one instance it was but i feel like i have had some sort of six degrees to kevin bacon connection (laughs) with every show every single show i've done every single one has come back in at least three degrees to little shop so that was obviously the universe or whatever you want to call it, fate or God or Buddha or spaghetti monster was very obviously telling me that was obviously a crucial audition for me. It was. It was a crucial audition and a crucial show for me. And I'm not saying, again, not a networking situation. I love these people. I love Miranda. I love Luke. I love you. I love Josh. I love Alex. Alex lives two seconds from me. And we no hang way. out all the time. Bronte, I haven't seen in a bit, but Bronte's getting married. On a side note, Bronte's getting married. Can you believe it? There are so many. Damien, Damien, I see from time to time. And every time we do, there's a big old hug. It's it's a family. It's a family affair. Every single person from Little Shop, I hug. 
when I see them every single day. Mate, can you please not rub your country's health standards in my face? I haven't hugged a stranger (laughs) in about eight months. (laughs) I appreciate that you called Australia my country because it is is my country. Yes, darling, we are at full capacity in our theaters. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to rub all this in your face. We don't wear, we don't have to wear masks any longer when we go outside we do still keep a 1.5 it is it, i think it's now just ingrained in our dna don't that we we keep very strong distance from people in front of us in line if somebody has to cross the path and there's not space to go two by two then you wait at the edge of the lane or the bridge let them pass and go it has become it's become that now i feel like that's just going to be the way of it for quite some time um but we are Queensland is super, super fortunate. Super fortunate. I won't spend a lot of time on this, but we had an update from Boris yesterday. Uh, This podcast will come out in um, probably about a month from now, actually. So what date are we on? We are on the, we're on the 20 something of February. But yesterday we got told from Boris that, you know, things are going to ease gradually over the next month. But basically this country is not going to be back to any level of what feels normal until the 21st of June. We've literally been given that date now as to when life might be kind of normal. Like it makes my heart sink. Oh my God. Uh, it's it, we're, we're living in we're living in different worlds, not just different countries, different but it feels like we are living Absolutely. in different worlds at the yeah. moment. You're not you are not wrong. It's crazy. Anyway, uh you know that first show and that group of yeah. people like scooping you up, especially Tessa breaking that wall for you, scooping you up and making you feel like you were back to yourself again. Uh, then, as you said, you got into company, which there were a lot of similar people working on that show. So that was a very serendipitous networking situation for myself as well. But yeah, moving on from there, because you weren't just working in Brisbane, eventually you moved down to the Gold Coast. And I know that was a really, really big change and hard decision for you to make can you talk uh, just tell us about getting the job down on the coast well it was uh, when I when I did get the job uh, it was for Dracula's um on the gold coast I don't, I don't know yeah, if which I'm, is oh, I, can say that. I can say that right <laughs> yeah yes, yeah of course yeah, yeah. it's it's a cabaret bar that does like dinner and a show it's this fully yes. themed Dracula's castle on the gold coast where audiences like go three story um, yeah standalone building on the gold coast on the water that is yeah basically just a whole it's an entire cabaret macabre comedy cabaret show and it's probably one of the very few like full-time performance gigs be it like cabaret style gigs that are accessible to people living in brisbane and the coast so a huge opportunity to get offered that job uh, I was really lucky. I was very fortunate, and uh, I didn't. I didn't have any uh, universe. I didn't have anybody from Little Shop that that got me into that one. That one was uh, purely on my own, just off the shoulders merit, <laughs> which I am actually quite proud of. That place was the very first place that I uh, experienced my very first night in Australia. So when I came for the two weeks holiday, it was on. December 31st. So I came here for New Year's Eve. 
And I got here with a couple friends from Kansas City that came to join me to hang out with Robert and Bryce. And Robert and Bryce had decided they were going to take us out to this place that they found on an ad online, which was Dracula's. So they said they decided to surprise us. And it was more a surprise for me because that's really my aesthetic. I'm a goofy goth kind of type person. So it was right up my alley. Uh, yeah, we went there for New Year's Eve. I had the time of my life. It was amazing. And when we were in the car park, notice how I said car park, because I don't say parking lot anymore. My husband said to me, I would bet you money. You will be on that stage. Give it a few years. You'll be on that stage. Two years later, I got the job. Could you believe it? Through a Star Now ad that Dracula's put up, I got an audition. I went in. They seemed to enjoy me and I got, I couldn't believe it. I got cast. So yeah, I did work there for a year, but the, again, what you were saying, the challenge was Robert and I, we didn't have a car. So everything was transit. It takes an hour by car to get to Dracula's, but it's about two hours, maybe two hours, 15 from particularly from where we were living, which was in Bowen Hills, which was on the opposite side of the city. So we're heading through the city then down to the Gold Coast, and Drax sits about midway through the city of Gold Coast. So, so you had to relocate. You had to, re- you yeah. have to relocate, really. Yeah. Like you can't be working there every single day and traveling the four hours yeah. return Round each trip. day. It's just, yeah. So, so you, ha- you had to move away from Robert, which, I mean, there's pros and cons to that, I think, because as much as you move over with your person, if that's what you have done, and you are a great source of energy and support for one another, you also are then really living in each other's pockets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and Robert Robert and I had not lived together before we got married. That wasn't any due to any religious situation. We're just both purely independent people. So we had a conversation about it. We decided that logistically it was really, it was smarter for me to get my own place that I would pay for out of my own money that I was getting paid from Dracula's on the Gold Coast. And Robert would stay in Brisbane because he was still working in Brisbane. So it was either one of us would travel four hours round trip or four and a half hours round trip or the other, which seems silly. What it turned into was, and, and you are right, actually, there was a there was a huge, huge, huge silver lining, which was the place that I lived in and the people that I lived with. Epanisa was my roommate, and she was majestic. Oh, she was so great. I really, really, really loved living with her. And it turns out that we so we lived in a townhouse. And uh, like uh, in one of the little like offshoot canal areas of the Gold Coast. And I would cycle to work, which was awesome. I didn't have to worry about paying for bus fare or paying for the train to and from the uh, like city to city or even gas money. It was just purely my own energy. Though in the summer, that was the worst. And that was actually pure hell. But everything else past that was was awesome. It was actually really nice. And anytime I was feeling really frustrated about life, I could cycle it out to get to work. Or when I was feeling frustrated with anything that had happened at work, I could cycle it out getting home and I felt great. It was awesome. But the townhouse we lived in was so amazing. And my roommates were amazing. I was really sad to leave it behind when I when I when I left and went back to um, Brisbane. But it was it was time. It was time. I just think it's so cool. And I feel like I'm experiencing it 
myself as well, having to live away from Will down on Hailing Island when I work. It's, I think it's a brand new experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you are not only living in a new country, but then you branch off and you are living by yourself, like doing it, it must have felt like like you were starting the whole process again, almost like. Oh my god! Yes, yes, it did, and it was. It I felt nervous, in the first couple of weeks of going. Oh God, is it going to take six months in this year long contract for me to be comfortable again? And don't get me wrong, I did have. I, I there was there were there were faults and flaws, and I I, I had some issues. Uh, men not mental issues, but I had some personal issues. Being away from not my husband, not my partner, not anybody that I knew, but just I had issues and I it was things that I had to work through. And I'm really glad that I had that opportunity because it taught me so much about myself. A, what I can get through and B, a mental path, finding the right way. And if I can't, then... Look, I'm always on this pedestal of, not a pedestal, I'm always on this soapbox of mental health. Going to get help is not a bad thing. Does it make you crazy? It should be the same way that we do in the States of going to get a yearly checkup. You should go and get a mental checkup as well as a physical one. I don't see Was seeking someone to talk to about your mental state something that you did? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you when you were on the Gold Coast? Uh, yes, as well as when I first moved this country because I had so many small complications just figuring out my life. Uh, so about a year, maybe a year after I moved, so about six months after the six months that I met you, I uh, went to a therapist to meet face-to-face, which I had done some online stuff before, but I really feel that a face-to-face is is crucial. I mean, to be fair, I have done my fair share of audio therapy, uh, as in like uh, talking over the phone, and it turns into no different than a gab fest with the girls. It's just more deep than that, and, they, and it makes you think more. Uh, but regardless of whether it is face-to-face or not, I think it's important. I th- I think it's mm. super important. It helped me to understand so much. Especially for people who have changed countries. Oh, the big one was stop getting and obsessing on social media. Stop getting on your Facebook. Because right at, the, at that time, the only people that I had on my Facebook feed were my friends back home. So what am I going to see but how well they're doing and how poorly I'm doing? That's what my thought process was. They're doing amazing. I'm doing crap. The one major thing he told me was they're only putting their best foot out there. They're only showing their biggest fake smile. You have no idea what is happening behind those eyes. And the same could be said face to face. The same could be said face to face. Everybody is going to go, oh, well, I'm doing this and that's great. And I'm doing this and that's great. I personally, over the last few years, whenever anybody asks me, how you doing? How you going? I'll tell them, look, I'm not having the greatest week of my life, but I am having this this great point and this great point and this great point. And I'm hoping that people will, but they can feel like they can talk to me about, oh yeah, I'm actually not having a great week either, but 
I'm here and we're having coffee and that's awesome. I think that's super important. I think that that's super important. And it didn't become really important to me until I moved away. I just think it's a credit to you that you knew in yourself when it was time Mm -hmm. to reach out and get that support. And I think it's a really strong message to send to anyone who is traveling abroad. And I'm I'm going to officially take this as advice for myself because it's advice I've been given by a number of people and that I've been telling myself over and over again, but I'm yet to seek out any kind of talk therapy since being in this country. And I mean, just doing this new project uh, over lockdown as well, which is its own pressure cooker of emotions. I you know, I, I'm approaching three years here now. I've, I, I I feel like I'm starting to find my feet. I'm not as prone to depressive episodes like I was in the early stages or like I can be if I'm out of work and I'm really stressed about money and blah, 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 blah. But um, for me, something that's been bubbling up recently with doing this project is is the anxiety side of things. Oh. And it's part of the reason I'm doing the damn project yes. because I found that by sitting around – just sitting around thinking about how anxious I've been feeling and and trying to figure out why and that was not doing anything for me. I needed to start taking some action, which I've done in the form of a podcast to reach out and connect with people. So mm. I guess mm-hmm. in a weird mm-hmm. way, I've created my own, I've, I've kind of created my own talk therapy here. But I think uh, I definitely would like to pursue some more professional talk therapy this year. And I think it's really sound advice to give to anybody who has uprooted their life in such a such a big way. Well, think of it this way. You would not go to your neighbor and ask, does this rash look infected to you? You would go to a doctor for that. So if you're feeling unsure in any kind of, I'm not going to say the word mental capacity sounds a whole lot bigger than it actually is. If you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling unsure, if you're feeling anything, if you're feeling elated, I don't care. There is no reason why you can't go to a therapist just to see what the hell's going on in your head. If anything, it's going to give you a new outlook on life, even a small one, even the tiniest one. I think that that's genius. I think it's genius. It's no different than a PT telling you you can't do push-ups this way with your elbows out, pull your elbows in, your uh, your therapist uh, will tell you, okay, well, don't think about it this way. Think about it this way, which becomes, which is hard to do like any physical exercise until you've done it multiple times over with practice, it gets easier. Yeah. And when I moved here, that was a big thing. That was, uh, that's why I'm getting on this huge, huge soapbox about mental health is my mental health I tried to start so strong and it petered out anyway and it did come back thank you six months but I have since then gone well how do I make it better how do I make us better me with other people me with my partner me with anyone around me how do I make myself better full stop physically with a GP mentally with a therapist, uh, even physically with a massage therapist or a personal trainer. Yeah. What can I do to make myself better? And going back on a quick second here, I'm going to go back real, real far. We were talking about body image and how we should not be complimenting people on their thinness. And I absolutely agree. However, 
we should be complimenting people on their progress of health. As in, if they are looking fit, anytime I, okay, actually, I'm going to give you an example. So I weigh almost the exact same amount that I weighed when I first moved here, which was the biggest I had ever been. Mad Dance, when I first moved here, we talked about like I got to do a whole bunch of dance classes, as well as uh, my partner and um, our roommates got me fit. Still working on that, but I'm happy with who I am. We're going to go back to this in a second. That's fine. Um, but, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I lost it. You're talking oh, about. Hang on. Yeah, no, go, yeah. What, what was yeah, it? how your friends were helping to make you fit. Uh, we were talking about not commenting on people being thin, not oh, acknowledging. Yeah weight loss in that way but acknowledging when they're being fit and I know like you didn't say this but this is the thought I have when I've been when I have been commenting on friends recently working out for me the what has made me want to comment is them just looking happy in themselves whether they've lost the weight or not the fact that they've just finished some exercise and they have a smile on their face that is bigger than any I have seen for eight, the like that is the reason and to I don't people. care what the hell the scale says. Throw the scale out the window. The muscle weighs more than fat anyway. I weigh whatever the fuck I weigh. I don't care. But I am happy in my body. I am happy in who I am. I want to get better. I want to get better, which is why I am doing these dance classes is order to get i'm getting better technique it's why i'm getting back into lira in order to gain more strength as well as muscle control it's not about what i see in the mirror it has never been in the last since i moved here eight years it's never been what i about what i see in the mirror it's about how i feel and what i feel exudes from my body. And when I see somebody who is obviously happy in who they are and what's happening, either mentally or physically, I will compliment on that. That I'll compliment on. You are looking fit. You've been, you've been bulking up. You've been lifting them weights. You are, you seem happier. Tell me about your life. What's going on? That I will respond to because otherwise if we uh, well, and it works the flip way too. If I, that is the challenge. If I'm worried about how somebody looks, if they are getting too thin or too unhappy, how do I respond to that? How, or do I? That's a whole other conversation though. It's a whole other conversation. Yeah. And it's, um, it's been really cool to watch your journey in finding your feet and finding your clearer state of mental health again over your time settling in over Oz. And if we don't get to talk about any other work-related stuff today, I really don't mind. But actually, I did want to talk about one thing, um, and that was just your cabaret that oh. you, you put on, <laughs> the Ruby Slipper Chronicles, because that felt like we talked about how you and I have gone through phases yeah. of being in touch with each other. We actually weren't in touch much when you were doing that show, but I came to see that show and it felt like a blossoming moment. It felt like, oh, my God, my friend has found her place <laughs> in this new world. Oh, I really appreciate hearing that. I do. It Well, it wasn't the first... Uh, solo show I had ever done, but this is the first solo show I had done. This is the first cabaret show, full stop, that I had done in Australia. And it was the first, well, first of everything. I was so 
I was. I was nervous as hell. And I it was a two act as well. That was initially. It's it's it has its own life, this show does. And actually, if you wouldn't mind, like just for people who haven't seen the show, The Ruby Slipper Chronicles, can you just give us a tiny little summary of, of where the idea from that stems uh, from? Well, I was on a plane heading to Australia when I first moved here, and a tornado was threatening to ground our plane. And so I thought, well, isn't that odd? A girl from Kansas getting lifted off by a tornado into the land of Oz. That's bizarre. Uh, and so I put on a little mini version of it, and it was insanely well received. So I put on the full version, but I put it on in the States. I went back to Kansas City, and I put on, uh, at the time it was called um, Emerald Exile. So it was back in Kansas, not in the land of Oz. And it was really well received. So I brought the entire full show back to Australia put it on. And uh, again, the whole point of it is about my life following the really familiar story of Dorothy on the yellow brick road. I don't think there's any other way of putting it. (laughs) Not in Kansas anymore, babes. No, no. (laughs) And the funky part about it is about the show is that it is always evolving. It's always changing because my story isn't done. I'm still not done following that yellow brick road. So who or what my Glinda or Cowardly Lion or Monkey might be could change show to show. So I've taken it on tour um, here in Australia, and I'm actually planning on hoping, hope to bring it back to um, Brisbane and taking on maybe a little local tour here. So well done, hon. I find that part of your story just particularly inspirational to not only have completely relocated yourself and you know it it, it took you a few years going through a few different jobs living on the coast doing different things to eventually come around to putting that show up but I think it's just such a a beautiful I'm here now and this is my home and I own it moment and I, I guess for anyone who might be in a similar position looking at either launching their own work in their hometown or, you know, God forbid, in a new country, would you have any little pearls of wisdom, snippets of advice? Well, right now, if you can't find the work, make your own work. Make your own show. Whether it is a simple show or not, start now. There was nothing better than creating your own cabaret show, to be quite honest, because it's your baby. It's yours. No one can take that away from you. And I find that terrifying, but also oh, when it finally gets out and the world gets to see it, God, you feel good with that. And you might not actually even realize what effect it might have. When I did my show, the very first time in Australia, when I did it in, in Kansas City, it was about returning to the land, or to, to Kansas City. When I brought the show to... Australia, I had so many people who came up to me after the shows that weekend and said, I have felt that way after moving either here, they were immigrants, or moving to another country and I came back and I didn't have any way of expressing it, but you, you nailed it. You nailed it. And I, if you know me, I'm not one to boast about myself. I'm not. I sat there and went, oh, 
Uh, thank you. Oh, God. Oh, compliments. But it wasn't a compliment. It was a way of them connecting with my show. And I had never thought about that until they came to me. So now when I do my show, I do think of that in the back of my mind. I don't want it to become like this whole, like, you know, it's, you know what? The whole point of the show is that it evolves. It will be whatever it's going to be. So I can't stop it. And there's, yeah, I love that thought that the work you're making is, is not just for yourself and for fulfilling yourself creatively so that you're not relying on other work to provide that for you, but also because you never know who that work is going to speak to. You never know who it's going to inspire. You never know the snowball effect that putting yourself out there and putting your work out there is going to have on other people. And one of the things I'm loving about stories on this podcast is that I come on here to talk about work and journeys of performers and we end up talking about Sometimes we have these hour-long conversations about everything but performing because it's the behind-the-scenes stuff that's really, really interesting and that we need to talk about more. And I'm trying to expand my network of people that I interview for the show. I'm not ashamed to say that these first, you know, this first whole series is going to be from my personal contact list because I've got some fabulous okay, people to talk expand to. Away. But, uh, expand away. Expand <laughs> away. But who would you nominate? If you had me pursue someone different for an interview, do you have anyone you could recommend? There is only one person on this planet I would recommend, and that is Missy Kuntz. She has seen all. She has done all. Girl has got some stories, and she has the most amazing amazing advice and she's back in the states yeah she's she's from yes yeah 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 she is absolutely absolutely worth talking to holy hell yes Alrighty, well we will make that happen and for now i mean i definitely am going to press stop and just keep nattering on to you for a little while but thank you ray for this episode it's been fabulous and uh yeah i love you babe you're doing so so well you're an inspiration to everybody oh, who's God, uprooting themselves i love you <laughs> I love. Are you 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 are an inspiration to all the uprooted? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? You're doing so well. I am clapping at every syllable because you're doing so well. Oh, I'm so thank proud of you. you. I'll tell myself. I'll tell myself that next time I'm lying on the floor before I start a podcast, having an anxiety. Attack. I will record that. <laughs> I'll record that, and I then you can play it, and you can play it, and it will start with, "Hey, you, get up off the floor because you're doing great. Because you're doing great." Amazing. Thank you, sweetheart. Wouldn't miss it. Thank you so much. Oh, sometimes living away from your close friends is really hard, guys. And I'm sure after listening to that, you can all understand why I love this woman so much and why she is such a good, good friend of mine. I think it's a question we should be asking ourselves more often. What could I be doing to make myself better? And the answer to that is unique to everyone. But if you are someone who, like me, has been umming and ahhing about whether therapy would be a good option for you, I hope that this chat provided you with a bit of fuel for thought on the topic. It's not a wall, after all. It's a hurdle. And you just got to jump the damn hurdle to get to the other side. But start now. And you can start now by connecting with this show online if you haven't already. So come and find me over on Instagram at the.pursuitpod and help me to spread the word by sharing the episode on your socials if you enjoyed it and want to continue the conversation with others. 
Your continued support means the absolute world to me. And as a present, next week I will have some exciting news to share with you all about where this podcast is headed next. So stick around. Have a fabulous week. Pursue your dreams, whatever they are. Do it now. Get started today. However little it may seem, go and take that first step. Sending you all so much love, folks. Thanks for listening. Until next time, 